Welcome to the Space Men from Pluto podcast. I'm your host this week, Ben. Joining me as always, Dan, James, and Christian. Well, with the release of our video, Time Was So Trash, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, The Ultimate Cut. <laughs> Catchy. We're, we're going to be having a little chat about kind of rivals versus in movies. But before that, Please like and subscribe. And comment down below that you subscribed. <laughs> but super quick, before we talk about some of our favourite versus matchups in movies, we've got to address, since we're a film and television kind of chatting podcast, we've got to talk about the big news, the upcoming what's going on in the world of film. The Oscar nominations, that really relevant ceremony, have <laughs> uh, have been released for this year. It was kind of interesting to see what was going to be nominated because, you know, there's nothing really out in that sense. So <laughs> does anyone have any immediate, you know, you know, we'll just come straight up. We've not really watched any of the films nominated. But is, is there anything about anyone, any actors, any directors that we've got things to say? Christian, you're burning to say something. <sighs> How did Mank get ten <laughs> nominations? <sighs> Look, what what else was going to get nominated? I think this is the point. More than anything, what these nominations say is it just really speaks volumes about like the quality of films that have come out over the past year. Well, I dis I disagree with that because we've not seen any of them. No, but the fact that Mank is in there and we haven't seen or even heard of half of them really like tells that. They were struggling I've, to find films for this. In all yeah. fairness, I've I've heard of all of the films nominated. I just haven't I seen them. Yeah. Um. And there's some there's some good ones in there, and I think it will be the case where man could be like, oh yeah, we've been it, we've been nominated for ten awards. I reckon it'll win maybe two. I don't think it win any. I think it's a proper like old uh, style. I think it'll win some. I I, 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 I think it'll win some, but it'll be like sort of. Maybe technical stuff. It, it, yeah, it'll win like... Oh, make a score. It, it, yeah, I was going to say, I think I think it'll get score and makeup and hairstyling are the two that I think it's like pretty much dead set to get. I mean, it's yeah. probably the biggest... It's probably the biggest film of the year, really. I guess that's not kind of like a superhero yeah. film. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't like, be surprised what, if it maybe picks some up just because it's the Academy that vote on this and some of them might be sat there like, oh, it reminds me of the good old days. Well, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's, a, it's a super Oscar bait film. That's definitely it's about it. Citizen Kane. If they didn't give it Oscars, they'd be hurting the Citizen Kane mythology, yeah, wouldn't yeah. they? So, you know, that's that's one of the reasons. The Citizen Kane fandom would be up in arms. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah, all four of them. <laughs> Both of I'm them kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm <laughs> kidding. I will say though, I'm actually really chuffed for Riz Ahmed getting a Best Actor nomination. I like a bit of Riz Ahmed. For kind of following him since Four Lions when that came out like over like ten years ago, which is hard to say. It's yeah. really cool for him to see. I re I really want to watch the film. I wanted to watch it anyway before it kind of you know before it was cool. The sound <laughs> of metal, right? Yeah. Well, yeah as, sound as, of metal. as a couple of fans of metal, Ben and Christian, I'm surprised you've not seen this yet. It seems to be your thing. It's not, yeah. it's not necessarily about metal. I, yeah, I was going to say that I don't even think that they're a, a metal group in the, the film. I, I think, think he I'm, might be. I think he's in I, a duo. I've tried not to know about the film. I I, th I think it's a post-punk duo. How useful for a podcast where you're going to talk about said film. <laughs> yeah, I try not to know about it. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, about, uh, it's about going deaf, that's all I know. It's about. Yeah. Oh, that's right, cool. Yeah, that's yeah. an interesting thing. He's, he's, I think he's a drummer that go, slowly goes deaf yeah, as the yeah. film goes on. And it's about him dealing with that. And because we no, talked about um, on another podcast of like actors who's going to survive post a TV show, we had the Stephen uh, Yoon, Stephen Young. Yes, yeah, Stephen Yoon. Stephen Yoon from uh, Walking Dead's now got an Oscar nomination, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, for, for uh, Minari, which is another film that's been on my watch list. Like mm. it, it sort of came onto my radar because I like A twenty four films, and it sounded like it, an interesting film. So, kind of, uh, yeah, like all the films, I think. Except for the father, which I don't actually know any. I literally know nothing about. I'm kind of have a vague interest in all of them that are nominated for best picture. Yeah, yeah. Like it is kind of like in terms of like the the impact in terms of like the nominations themselves. It's a pretty good year for like moving things forward. About like it's I think it's a lot of firsts this year. Like the um, 
the the lady who got nominated for best director is like the what's her name chloe zhao was like Zhao, the, yeah. the first like Asian woman to be nominated for best director. I think like the fifth ever or something crazy like that. And that's cool. Um, I think Riz Ahmed's the first Muslim actor to be nominated for best actor and stuff. And I think okay. uh, the one, uh, the best picture, Judas and the Black Messiah, is the first ever all black producing uh, nominees for a film. So it's yeah, like it's a... it's a strange positive of a if it was like a normal year. Would these guys get these nominations? Like a chuff, Sash Baron Cohen's Oscar nominated. What a great! What a great world we live in. Not for Borat though. Like he hasn't been nominated for Borat. <laughs> that was well, she has. The, I um, mean, his co-star was. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, film. I was, was going to say Borat has been nominated for like. Is it three awards or two? Something. I think maybe two. Yeah, yeah. I think it's two. Um, which is as many as Tenet oh. has been awarded. <laughs> nominations for um, which didn't I, get good. The, it didn't get best sound. No, the the, fir- the first thing I did was it was like the Oscar nominations are out, and the first thing I did was scroll down to sound to make sure that Tenet hadn't been nominated. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It was just insane. But yeah, you want to say something about Sash Baron, Dan? Oh yeah, no, I was just going to say it's just funny that like the guy who played Ali G on the Eleven O'clock Show in <laughs> the late nineties is now getting. An Oscar potentially. Oscar yeah. Yeah. So cool. So yeah, his, his career is it's been an interesting one, that's for sure. Yeah. So and like Viola Davis is the first, is the first black woman with the most Oscar nominations. I think. I thought you were gonna say nominate. I was like, I swear she's been. Oh yeah, loads. She won anything. Yeah. Did she win for Fences? I think she might have. I won. think I thought so. Yeah, but I could be she wrong. She might have won once or twice. Um, I know because you were interested, James. Like Promising Young Woman picked up some nominations. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Carrie Mulligan's yeah. got one best picture i'm desperate to see that film if it was like on prime like even if i had to rent it i would have seen it mm. like ages ago but there's just no way for us to actually watch it here in england at the moment which is quite mm. annoying we'll definitely yeah. do some sort of thing for, for yeah these, man we'll see if we can these movies, I, I was, I was gonna say to I'm, yeah I'm, I'm gonna try and find as as many places like find places to try and view these films before uh the oscars so that i can have go in like with my own opinions and see if it pans out a really fun fact as well glenn close was nominated for best supporting actress in a film called hillbilly elegy for the same role she's also been nominated for a razzie <laughs> oh which is pretty that's pretty, pretty that, that's weird. weird yeah i mean that's i mean it's like happened what's bef- going on there yeah Ooh. it's happened before i think where an actor has been nominated for an Oscar Berry, and a, yeah, Halle Berry won an Oscar and won a Razzie back yeah. to back in the same year, but that was for two different films. Yeah, right. Ah. And she, she, and absolutely wonderfully, she gave the exactly the same like tear filled <laughs> acceptance speech of how proud she was at both the Oscars and the Razzies. That's and pretty good. You've got to rate that. How how often do actors actually turn up to the Razzies? Like. Because I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them go, look, I don't, I don't want to turn up to this mm. award show that you're giving me for being crap. I think Halle Berry <laughs> turning up was like a real rarity. I don't yeah, know, yeah, that's what I mean. heard of that she did it. Yeah, I, th- I, I think she, Halle Berry. She seems pretty cool. I was going to say, I think she was turning up to just sort of, you know, take it in stride and be like, yeah, I know that Catwoman was terrible. Mm. <laughs> I've actually never seen Catwoman. Like, I missed a lot of those early 2000s like naff superhero films Ben can't <laughs> wait to say it <laughs> unbelievable we're gonna have to educate you <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I missed that I missed Ben Affleck's Daredevil the Electra film there's a bunch of them that like just sort of passed me by strangely enough it's probably to... because they're all bad <laughs> yeah but I've, I I don't know why I miss them because I saw the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man films I saw the Fantastic Four films. I don't know why I never really latched onto them as a kid. I think I had a very small marketing budget. I think it was a very low budget uh, production. Yeah, they they were also all 15s. That was something they had in common. Uh, so they weren't they weren't aimed at kids. There you, well, there you go. Then that's probably it. I know because we're this is for us because we're cinema employees. Do you remember that Pinocchio movie? Yes, that was yeah, bizarre. Yeah. That got nominated for best makeup and hairstyling. No oh, way. So that little weird Pinocchio <laughs> film is screen two. <laughs> well, the, the director of Pinocchio, Roberto Benigni, uh, directed Life is Beautiful in 1997 and won an Oscar, and it, and it's one of the infamous Oscar acceptance yeah. 
yeah. uh, clips where he jumps up, where he jumps all over the seats. You, what was yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I love his brother ham and cheese." But no, that's <laughs> that's panini. Ah, this is this is panini. Eighteen episodes. <laughs> but anyway, he, he he his return after that his his, his follow up was Pinocchio in in a couple a couple of years later, and it was critically panned. It was it was regarded as like really not a good film. What's so he's done and it again? So he's done it, and now he's come he's he's come back. He's done it again. He's so gone he's, back to Pinocchio. He's done Pinocchio twice. Pinocchio, yes. the Benini cut. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's got his Oscar noms for it. Like, so I guess I guess he wins. <laughs> yeah. If at first you don't succeed, try and try again. I, yeah. ah, I, I'm, I'd, I'd love a director to do that, to just do the same film like eight times until they succeed. No, because Zack like Snyder's doing it. No, 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 no. We don't want people Actually, to do the same. I, yeah, I Scorsese. Suppose, <laughs> I suppose that's what Scorsese did, yeah. 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 But he, he's, he that. seemed to just be getting worse. Yeah. He says having seen none of them. I'm <laughs> <laughs> completely going off what I've heard people say. Wow, what an opinion <laughs> with nothing to, no information to give. He said an opinion. No, I'm I just going off it. what people heard people saying. I've got, you've got to respect it. I thought I'd out myself before anyone else watching this was like, he's not seen any of them. <laughs> There's not so, enough people in capes uh, for James to exactly. Oh, oh, so. I mean, if Robert De Niro wore a cape, then I'd watch it. I, 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 Whack Joe Pesci in some lycra, I'll watch it. Speak, speaking <laughs> of some outrage for James, I mean, no Sonic. Oh, mate, don't get me started. I was I was going to wait until we mentioned any Oscar snubs to bring up my boy. I'm that was fuming. Like... Can't, can't believe they didn't give it Best Picture. What a disgrace. I know. I mean, I, I can't believe it didn't even get nominated for the animations. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Best visual effects. Yeah, yeah. Best Nothing. performance by a supporting hedgehog. <laughs> I can't even remember what, even what came out to think of what was snubbed or not. I can't even think. No, I mean, there haven't been any really. films. Like, yeah, I was like, going to say. The, thing. the only films I've seen of all of them are Mank, which I didn't enjoy. But then in the best animated category, having seen Soul and Onward, they are both really good films. I think Soul will pick it up. Yeah. And I also wouldn't be surprised if it gets one for soundtrack as well. Yeah, because Trent and Atticus have been nominated for Soul and Mank, so it yeah. really is theirs to lose. <laughs> I was gonna um, say if they if they lose it now, then they're gonna be just they're, they're gonna be so yeah pissed off. It's really <laughs> cool as well. Lakeith Stanfield was nominated for best supporting. Really cool. Let's get on to the the main reason why we're here. V- Versus is <laughs> in movies, <laughs> two characters pitted against each other. What are some of the ones that we kind of think of some of my favourites because of Batman v Superman? So, I reckon, I think, my favourite rivalry, it's got to be Sherlock Holmes versus Moriarty. Oh, that's actually a really good one. Yeah, that is a good rivalry. <laughs> I didn't mean to sound so surprised at that, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> I've made up a good one. Um, yeah, so... Uh, we we also weirdly enough the Sherlock Holmes films with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law are kind of my guilty pleasures and I'm a I bit, really like them and I'm yeah, a little I think bit, they're, I think they're bit of fun. good I, I like them I like them obviously Robert Downey Jr. is just doing his Robert Downey Jr. thing throughout them but he brings uh, you know he brings that charm to the the role he brings something a bit different to the role I love the uh, overall kind of vibe and atmosphere of the world of those films as well some and good music in them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that sets the Sherlock Holmes feel really well, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree, I agree. And um, the second film, I thought, was slightly better than the first one as well. Obviously, uh, Jared Harris played Moriarty in that, and he played a yeah, very good yeah. role. Mm-hmm. As we all know, he's a pretty decent actor. Love Jared Harris. Me and Ben have been watching a bit of... White, uh, what, where, wait, where has this come from? We, I was going to say uh, we've been watching a bit of Whitechapel, but he's not in Whitechapel. Just wanted to te- mention it. <laughs> yeah. No, me and Ben have been watching a little bit of the Terror, and uh, he's in that. Um, very good. As good as you'd expect, and obviously he's in Chernobyl as well. I'd say he's probably one of my one of my more favourite actors actually. Yeah, yeah, I really like him. Really, yeah. and, I, and he the... really, and he really brought like a like an intensity to Moriarty. Like yeah, that that... I really liked. The fact that, that they this... didn't cast him as young Dumbledore is a travesty. Ah. He's, he's Richard Harris's son. Uh, yeah, that would have yeah. been nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would have been Jude so Law. good. Yeah, 
<laughs> but Michael Gambon is Dumbledore then. Not the That's original true. Dumbledore. So it might, <laughs> might, it would have been a nice tribute that day. It w- it would have been good. But I also liked um, I like Sherlock Holmes in general. I like the character of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. I like I like just the the guy's basically like has a super powered brain and just can work out anything. Good, good old uh, discombobulate. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <yeah. laughs> oh. That that entire sequence. But are you a fan of the the modern version? The, the BBC. One? I was just going to mention it. Yeah. No, I do. I do. Uh, I do like them. I think. Weird, a weird thing with that TV show is that the second episode of each series seems a bit weak compared to the first and third ones. Um, and okay. it's oh, no, just that the final season didn't end particularly high. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but again, like a really good performance of Moriarty uh, by yeah. Andrew, Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott's really I good really liked that. his performance. Hi! That kind of... <laughs> yeah. I really, I've, I heard after a couple of years after the fact, his performance was apparently a bit like divisive among fans and, fans, and people didn't really like his performance. I, yes. I love his Moriarty. Um, I think he's really I, I engaging. I think he's a really good he, Moriarty. There's weird elements to it that I think there is all, there's almost moments in it where it's like, are they about to kiss like what's going on like there's a weird tension between them but i think yeah, it kind yeah. of works because yeah, works. that's kind of the point of moriarty and sherlock in that they're kind of like two sides of the same coin and they find each other fascinating yeah for sure so i think like, like it works but i you know yeah, yeah i'd imagine that's why some fans were like, i don't like it <laughs> I, think, I think maybe because he was a bit he was a bit like not over the top. He was a bit like, whoa! Flamboyant. <laughs> he was very theatrical. Very, yeah, very theatrical. Yeah, so maybe that's I like the different. switch in his reveal because you meet him earlier in the episode and he's a bit weird and then when you realise he's Moriarty and he just turns it on. Maybe I've got it wrong. I, I think I, I really like the way that in the in the TV adaptations of Holmes and modern ones that they, they work around Holmes's like powers of deduction in different ways. Like yeah. with the yeah. BBC version, it's very kind of like you, you go into his mind and he and he picks very, very specific things one by one to work out exactly what's happening in a, in a certain situation. With Robert Downey Jr., it's like he does the same thing kind of um, but it's usually to beat someone up. <laughs> like there's that really good scene in the first one, I think, where he's got the where is the bare knuckle fighting, yeah, the bare knuckle boxing, and he's just like, yeah, so I said, if I do this, <laughs> it's like if I do this, then Smack. he'll do this, and then I'll do this, and I'll do a left hook, and then yeah. he'll fall because his weight is uh, certain. Uh, it's, he's weighted up to a certain direction, and then and then it just plays out the the scene as he's like deducted it, and I just thought oh, that's great. Yeah. That's quite good. Yeah, I quite like that. I love the, the yeah because they always try and use they they always use like sort of interesting editing and camera work to sort of portray Holmes's mind, um, especially in that scene with the sort of use of spinning and slow motion to yeah. sort of get across how he's figuring stuff out. Yeah, it's cool though. I hope they make a third one with. I think, I think I'm- they are. Apparently, yeah. Apparently, the the, the a guy Richie is coming back, and the third one is slated for February next year. But, no, like, I don't say, think I, it's going to happen. Like February it's kind next of year. one of those ones that's maybe in a bit of production hell. Like, yeah. I'd love it. I'd love a third one. But yeah. I don't know if we will get one. I I know that Guy Ritchie wanted to step away for a while to do other projects. To do um, Aladdin. And I, I was going to say, and that's why we ended up with um, uh, King Arthur. Um. <laughs> I I reacted to that as if I've seen it. I've never seen the film. It's fine. It's actually just what it is. Just like... Yeah. Wasn't that another one that was like really trying to be something? Like it was supposed to set up a whole Arthurian cinematic universe. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my the, god. The, the modern Sherlock show as well. At the time, I I thought it the way because you're talking about the way he did ducks, like the way it just showed. Uh, text messages for the first yeah, yeah. just having it, it on the new, screen it was quite a new technique wasn't it, was it? A, something really new and like the visual story yeah that visual storytelling was really slick and stylish and it yeah. was a real strong point of the show I feel like with a character like Sherlock you can't afford to do it just like plain like you've all, you've got to do it with some sort of style and flash and sizzle to the filmmaking yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you've, you've got to, you've got to get those like camera tricks and editing bits and sort of like visuals to to really make like just to really allow the audience to be put into sherlock's shoes and see like sort of represent in a way what he sees how he thinks Um, because it'd be boring if you just like did like a pan up and you just watched him stare at someone for a second then go 
your shoes are muddy. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of like the whole King Arthur one, though, do we think there's any limit to what they're going to try and create a cinematic universe out of at this point? No. Like, no. there's been so many ridiculous ones pushed. So, yeah. like, but, like, it worked for Marvel because, you know... Marvel's always been a universe. Like, with the comics, you've always had separate intertwining storylines, and that worked. And it made perfect sense to go towards a universe rather than just straight-up sequels. But, I mean, come on. Art King Art. Oh, so oh, funny. Oh, I, sorry, sorry, I was going to say I, I, was, I was just going to say, like, Warner Brothers is trying to set up their cinematic universe with Space Jam 2. They've already <laughs> tried to set up a Warner Brothers animations universe with Scoob. Oh, God, yeah. They've, you know... Um, that you have the the Dooku that they tried to set up. That everyone just wants a cinematic universe, and they'll try and make it out of anything. There's a there's a writer director now called Taylor Sheridan who did uh, Hell or High Water and Rin, Wind River. He did a TV show called Yellowstone about like some farmers in America, something like that. That's now got a television like cinematic universe. Because I saw a thing for it. They announced three TV shows set set in the Yellowstone universe for paramount plus or something i was like three that is <laughs> strong was, you're yeah. going in big then on this i was i was gonna say Par- paramount yeah paramount plus are, are now apparently trying to do like a, an extended spongebob universe um <sighs> and the other uh, what was, oh uh disney are of course doing their disney disney theme park cinematic universe which is being headed by the co-creator of battlestar galactica oh ronald d moore well, like, I guess well, he's the showrunner from the. What, what's going to connect uh, those films? Like, other than the fact that they all happen to be based on, uh, like theme park rides. I, I don't. I, I honestly don't understand what the the need for any of this. Like, I, I think Money. if you can do it well and you can pick well. the right thing to base it off, they're great. Like, they can work really well, and I think they're a nice new, different way. Well, they were a nice new, different way of storytelling. <laughs> But I, I just think they're trying too hard with certain things. I think the Walking oh, Dead's yeah. trying to do it. They're doing a Daryl mm. Carroll. Daryl and Carroll. Rick, the Rick movies, <laughs> Walking Dead spin-off shows. They're trying to do that. It's just a case of just throwing as much shit out the wall as possible and seeing what <laughs> sticks. Basically, isn't it? That's yeah. that's and and sometimes stu- and sometimes stuff will actually work out, but most of the time it won't. Honestly, I remember way back when they tried to start it with Dracula Untold, reading about the Dooku, and th- they were like, oh yeah, and we're going to do, do the Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the Mummy, and the Werewolf, uh, the, the, the like Wolfman, and we're going to do all of those again, and then they're all going to come together in this big Avengers-style film, and it's like, and fight what? Well, this is the thing, <laughs> it's like, it's all well and good having a cinematic universe, but there needs to be a reason for all of these films to come together. Because I was, I was just thinking, like you could have a Van Helsing type character who fights each of them, and that's all well and good. But it makes more sense to have a Van Helsing series rather than try to bring them all together. Like, I, yeah, it's like, oh yeah, you know, Disney will be like, oh yeah, we've got Pirates of the Caribbean, we've now got a, a we've got a haunted mansion, a new haunted mansion movie, we've got It's a Small World. What, how how do you bring all those together? They, they, they don't think about can... it. Just, uh, just exactly what Dan said. You just throw it out the wall and see if you even get to that point where you then have to address the culmination <laughs> of it. You probably, we probably won't get there in ten years' time. So yeah. We might as well just cash in some chips now on our streaming service that no one's going to pay for. So they're like, ah, oh, well, you know, we didn't get to the culmination of that, but at least people liked it's a small world. Yeah, and you know, what? I suppose at the end of the day, if they just make a film and then throw in a couple of easter eggs and the director goes oh yeah it's set in the same world as the other film it gets clicks people write articles about it it's free publicity i suppose yeah. at the end of the day and like you're yeah. saying ben they might not ever have to actually pay it off so exactly. it's like you don't have to set up the world or anything do you? you don't have to set like it's already been done for you so you can just kind of jump in there and just do a generic sort of story and like it's like game of thrones is is having has several spin-offs in production don't they like that fire and blood that's obviously set in the same is that what it's called fire and blood set in the same universe and there's something about like potentially about Arya and her journey and and everything it's like that's what they'll do they'll just like run everything into the ground because enough people will watch it and 
it'll make it it'll make a bit of money and and then they'll think of something else to run into the ground. It's so. like I feel like spin-offs are a slightly different ball game because that's just, you know, you've got your main core thing and then you're just going off from there and it goes and does its separate thing. It's more like trying to do these ones where they go off and they have their own separate ones and they keep coming back to each other and they all live in this same world. It's like what's the point? Yeah. But spin-offs are all set in the same universe anyway. It's the same thing. <clears throat> no, but I, that's what I mean. It's like when they go off and do their separate thing, it's more like like with the monster ones, if they each were doing their separate thing, but it happens to be in the same world, I feel like that's okay. It's not necessary, but it's more like how are you then going to find a ham-fisted way of doing your Avengers team-up film? Yeah. That's more why I think... They all have these cinematic- hooks. Like hub films, don't they? they, they yeah. Like where everything kind of like that's what Phase One and Phase Two and Phase Three are all about for the Marvel thing, where it's like everything orbits this one film and one moment that everyone kind of converges on, and that's what everyone that keeps everyone's anticipation up. And you, I think you kind of, the audience already kind of had an idea of where that was going because they're already familiar with the stories and and what have you, and then they just built their audience up because they made those films on the outskirts of that idea, like quite good and like watchable for people who weren't into comic comic book films. Whereas like with the horror dark universe or what the hell it was called, no one knew what like the central hub was. The, the filmmakers didn't really know what it was. And so it failed. And it's kind of the same with DC as well. Like no one really knows what the central thing is with D- DC and they can't decide what it is. Like it's all very, very confused. Well, you it, need to have a vision it, if you're going to do in, it, you know. In short, it's the thing of Marvel did it, they took their time and they did it well, and now everyone else who wants one just tries to play catch-up and they rush it and they don't plant the seeds and let them grow. Yeah, well, the, the problem is that they, they're, they're all trying to do the same thing, but they're, but they're all doing several characters in one movie. Like, even with the Dooku, like, Dracula Untold had werewolves in it and was trying to set up the Wolfman. The, the, Tom Cruise is the mummy. Did it? I'm pretty sure it did, didn't it? Or am I misremembering that movie? Maybe I'm thinking of a different movie. I was gonna say, I don't think it had any werewolves. I'm pretty sure it was like uh. it's a pretty just vampire Dracula film, and then at the end it shows that oh he's actually in the modern day, and so is Charles Dance, and the game is afoot, or whatever he says. The game begins. I <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's let the games begin. Let the games begin. The game is uh, foot is Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and everything comes back to Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but like in Tom Cruise's The Mummy, they have that entire section in the middle of the film where Russell Crowe comes in as Doctor Jekyll and then has like a flip out and turns into Mister Hyde, and it's like, this, why? Why is this here? Yeah. yeah. Having said that, though. I'm quite excited for the Lord of the Rings prequels show. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> like, that's a quite spin-off, I'd say. It's a different yeah, sort of I was going to say, that, that's not a universe thing, though. That's just a... Well, it's kind of... It's, it is, it's not a universe. No, it's not, because yeah, but... like if it, it's not an extension of the New Line Cinema, Peter Jackson directed yeah. Lord of the Rings. It's yeah. its own kind of separate thing, but it's riding the coattails of, mm. of those those previous films, but they're not in the same universe if that makes sense they're in a separate yeah. like, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say that we've got a harry potter cinematic universe at the moment with these fantastic beasts oh. going on I'd, I'd say they're quite a separate thing it's a spin-off because they're never gonna join like we're never gonna see newt scamander and harry potter on screen together although you? you know what i was just about to say having seen the last one who knows Aren't i wouldn't you? be surprised jk yeah, rowling just needs to sell harry potter to disney and then <laughs> they they can just say oh all that stuff that you wrote before it doesn't count it's not canon anymore here's boba fett <laughs> <laughs> now warner brothers own Chuck uh, them all in. <laughs> yeah. warner brothers own harry potter and they're not letting their grip anywhere no, off that they're, yeah. they're they're gonna rinse that as much as they possibly can disney yeah. gonna have to buy warner brothers yeah. It will well, happen thinking, eventually yeah like... it's not the harry potter franchise it's not going anywhere it's like the the Fantastic Beasts kind of spin-off films are in you know, a bit of a, a weird place at the moment. They're not particularly good. There's no other plans to create any other Harry Potter universe films, as far as I know. No, there I is. Think, no, oh, I was going to say, isn't, there a, isn't yeah. there a TV series coming? There's a TV series coming. Um, there's, of course, the, the game, which is, is coming, that's 
a set oh, yeah. uh, in a completely different era, and there's still plans to do Fantastic Beast uh, three, four, and five. So oh, I thought this... they were going up. I thought they were having like six or seven of them. No, they they have the only plan to go to five apparently. Uh, okay. So when when Daniel Radcliffe's forty five, they're so gonna bring him back. Do you Harry reckon? Yeah, yeah. If they the, could the get money, him back. The money that will be made, mm. if they could bring back Harry, Ron, and Hermione's older, is... It, you, do it's, you like a, it's dumb a, not to do it. I, I just do want to see Rupert Group with his little pot belly again. <laughs> <laughs> They'll yeah. do like a gritty Harry Potter, don't they, where everything's got like fucking... No- Sorry, everything's got noise all over the the, the frame and everything. Like Zack Snyder's Harry Potter. Grainy as hell, yeah. It's like, yeah, desaturated and it's like... How does Harry Potter feel after using the Avada Kedavra spell on someone he thought was his friend? He's killed Ron. That could be the <laughs> that could be the setup. Oh my god! Malfoy becomes good. Teams with Harry. People are using uh, people are using that spelly armor so it's blowing limbs off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. That's where we headed though. That is where we're headed because yeah. we'll all everyone will have grown up. Everyone will be kind yeah. of older, and we all need to uh, conform. Watch TV, obey. Ah, uh, see what you're doing. Submit. Getting us sleep. back on track there. <laughs> yeah, good little segue. That. It was a good little segue. Was it a great segue? You just said a thing. It wasn't related to what we just said. It was. That's true, actually. It, it, it's related to Christian, but it's not yeah. related in any way. To... <laughs> What I, we've I just mean, been he, he, he it was a good way to get us get, back on track, but it, it wasn't track. related to what we were saying. Don't appreciate this. So, what, one of the pick. I, I mean, I interpreted this question, uh, th- this this statement, very differently than you guys. You've gone for like sort of big rivalries or like yeah. So mine, I interpreted. I, I interpreted the question differently. So I was thinking about sort of like iconic. Either like one-on-one fights or like one versus many fights, um, and one of the ones that stuck out in my mind is the fight from They Live. The uh, tell tell them how long the fight is. Or set the scene. The the basically, uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper <laughs> is trying to get Keith David to put on a pair of glasses. And it devolves into a five, five, is it five minutes, 50 seconds fist fight? It's just a long fist fight with, I'm pretty sure it's got barely any music and it's just them punching each other in the face, kicking each other, going for like crotch punches and kicks and it's just them throwing each other about for a solid five minutes. Wrestling Um, moves I think as well, doing some wrestling. Yeah, yeah, dropping some wrestling moves and it's it's just such a like goofy, over-the-top fight scene that that happens for a ridiculous amount of time <laughs> in this film. I I just remember watching this film and being like, "What? Why? Why is this fight scene?" So I mean, they they got they got Rowdy Roddy Piper. So I guess I understand why the fight scene went on as long as it did. But uh, it, yeah. I, I, it's it's so it's it's one of the best examples of a movie literally stopping. Yeah, <laughs> I, was gonna say, I was going to say, and it, it's over. So, like, he's he's basically just trying to get him to put on these glasses, and he's like, no, and he he throws the glasses on the floor, goes to stomp on them, and then they they just get into this like massive fight where one of them's yeah. trying to break the glasses, and the other one's trying to get him to put them on. It's just in an alley as well, James. Just in yeah, a dirty alley. He's getting grubby as well as it goes on, getting sweaty. It's quite good. The, be- the best thing about that is the idea of someone just walking past it on the street. <laughs> there might even be shots of passers-by. I th- I th- I th- can't not. These, these two th- drunk-looking men having a wrestle. Because <laughs> they, they literally are just like... It, it's, it's not even... Like, some of the other fights I've got down are like master classes of like super well choreographed fights this this fight has some well choreographed moments but mostly it's just two men sort of like punching it like one of them will punch one of them in the face the other one will punch back then one of them will go to punch him in the crotch the other one will block it and then like kick him (laughs) and it's it's just like basic moves for the most part of them knocking each other onto the floor and rolling about sort of hitting each other trying (laughs) to solve this sort of meaningless problem of why he, why doesn't he want to wear glasses yeah it's really weird in this 
pretty funky. It's really, it's really worth the watch. We'll probably go I, watch I was, I was going to say, it, it's a great I like film, a bit of Keith honestly. David. Yeah, you keep it from the thing, yeah. the thing zone. And it's yeah. a kind of a shame. I think I would have enjoyed it a bit more if, if it was Kurt Russell, of course, instead of Ralph. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, yeah. In the film, but, uh, yeah, you know, what can you do? I was going to say, I, Kurt Russell must have been, like, busy that week or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of uh, fight sequences that last a while, this isn't to do with the main topic. This is just a little thing that I watched the other day. <laughs> I finally got round to watching Atomic Blonde. Oh, yeah. And the film as a whole oh. is okay. It's all right. It's a bit confusing with double agents and triple agents and people double-crossing each other. But one thing I will say is from 1 hour 20 to 1 hour 30, there is one action sequence with not a single cut. Is this the is staircase? Yes. And it's quite an interesting one to lit. Maybe if you want to just check that out in, uh, like in isolation, it's quite. It's pretty good. It. I don't. I was saying this to my housemate. I don't think it's as good as the John Wick films combat because I feel like with John Wick, it's combat that could be in any film, but there's no cuts. Whereas some of the fighting in this one, it feels like they've had to tone down the combat a little bit so that they can do it without cuts if you know what I mean is it really yeah. one take or are there hidden cuts I'm sure there's, no, there's, there's a be. couple hidden cuts sure. like yeah, anything yeah. like that but there's a lot of sort of you actually see the fighting and there's a real nice sort of degradation of these people as they're fighting like you can see them getting more tired and exhausted yeah, but still yeah. having to try and fight and go through it as they go stuff. through it's, yeah, it's yeah. a really cool scene the film's okay it's a, got a good scene though yeah, yeah. I, I, I was gonna say I, I've, I've seen bits of that scene uh, before now, because um, I'm a big fan of like sort of single shot fight scenes yeah. like that. Um, and you know, Charlize Theron, who doesn't like her? I was gonna say it, it is, it's a really good scene of just her fighting her way down this set of stairs, and you, it genuinely does seem like they are getting tired because it's a single yeah. shot yeah. scene. Yeah. It's cool. I've, I've heard My, the films very. If you didn't know it was the eighties, the soundtrack will really <laughs> let you know. I heard it's a very eighties <laughs> pipe yeah. soundtrack. I reckon there's probably more time in that film where there is a song playing than there isn't. That's mental. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's got Atomic by Blondie, hasn't it? That's the like the yeah, least track of the, uh, Yeah, it's good, man. There's, it, it, there's a little bit of nice style, but it's it's one of those films for me that I feel like it was it was really creeping on being something, but it didn't quite get there. Is it kind of riding just the John Wick coattails a bit to get some money? Maybe, yeah. I, and a bit, but it's a bit Jason. It's a bit Jason Bourne. It's a bit kind of that type of like gritty sort of secret agent. Yeah. But then they've gone, let's add the eighties because um, everyone loves the eighties. The Cold War, isn't it? I think I, it's also based on a graphic novel. I, yeah, uh, I, I, right, okay. I was going to say I'm pretty sure that they're also setting up to possibly do a sequel. I think no. I, I heard that they're I, gonna. Try. Oh, I don't know if they are. I I just mean like when the film ended, I didn't like. It doesn't yeah, feel like it I, has a scene that goes. I, I was Ooh, say, next time. I I don't think that they planned for it to have a sequel because, like you say, it's based on a graphic novel and they didn't know how well it was gonna do. But I think that that one of the things I don't know if it'll ever come to fruition. But I, apparently, it is one of those films that they're trying to get a sequel out of. I don't hmm. know if it warrants that. Talking of really good scenes long take with long takes you guys have seen children of men right actually i, I haven't whoa just do me down let's talk oh. <laughs> well Off. um no children of men has two really really well done long take scenes um which i i advise you i advise you to watch the film because it's a it's a pretty good movie um but it's also um got two scenes that are just really outstanding especially the one that takes place towards the end of the film it's basically around i think it's around 15 minutes it doesn't cut away once it's just yeah. uh clive owen in a sort of a war-torn uh i'm pretty sure it's the uk because it's set in a dystopian future but although it's kind of more like our present day now it's set in a, it's set in a world where the human race has stopped having the ability to reproduce so there's no more new babies born and so everything's just falling into chaos essentially as as everyone gets older and there are no new children um but yeah there's a brilliant long take scene in that um yeah. so uh, ch check out the film yeah but check yeah, out those scenes cool concept. i think also the, the youngest person is a celebrity as well <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. they're well, just young it's quite funny yeah yeah like well 
Oh, I if I, I could spot, I could spoil the start of the film by going into it. Um, no, 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 don't. But I don't I, want if to. If I'm mistaken, because it, it's a good. I'm... You're right, yeah, but it's 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 kind of you find out in the first film and the fir- uh, first scene and the first scenes actually uh, it's it's a it's a good one. It's an unexpected good like really start. Yeah, it's and it's uh, and it's got Radiohead in it as well. Oh, oh, so there we go. go. Now there we, go. we get it. Life in a Glass House is playing in the uh, Michael Caine's little house. Exactly, exactly, James. Finally getting it. You getting it? <laughs> they are a good band. I mean, they are. Yeah, that's what I meant. I mean, they are. It's not up for debate. I mean, cut this, Ben. <laughs> but yeah, as we mentioned earlier, you know, the whole cinematic universe and how it's taken the world by storm. Obviously, I'm going to have to talk about Captain America Civil War because it's really good. Like so good i rewatched it like fairly recently and you know i went in obviously knowing i'm gonna like it and i was like this it's so good like it's done so well and you know we all sat down and watched batman versus superman and it got brought up in there because it really is like either end of the scale of how well and how poorly you can set up why two characters fight Yes. Yes. Sorry, I was, I was, you know, you guys I have know. seen this film, so I was giving you a pause for you to actually jump in. Uh, I thought, again, you, 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 get, you spoke <laughs> as if you were going to keep going. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sometimes no, I'll just start a sentence and I won't know where I'm going with it. No, I, I do think like that that film, uh, it, it sets up the, the rivalry really well. Um, and then, you know the sort of culmination of that in the the airport sequence is i i don't know i think it's some of like the better choreographed stuff that marvel have done like some marvel sequences um I, as much as i love marvel some marvel sequences can feel a bit flip floppy and like they they don't really matter and there's no weight to them whereas you know having these sort of you know the the just the sort of flying characters like Vision and Iron Man, but then the the sort of grounded human characters like um, Cap so, Bucky, ca- yeah, Cap Bucky, Black Widow. Um, having that sort of balance made for some sort of really well choreographed sequences that used both the sort of CGI aspects of each character with the physical aspects. It's during the day; you can see it <laughs> exactly. You can see what's happening. And it's like I think if I don't recall it being like it's not like a Bourne movie, you can kind of see the action. Yeah. So um, that's at least it's like I can actually see what's going on. It's one. Of, it's one of my favorite. If you're gonna if you're gonna rank the third act Marvel fights, it's one yeah. of my favorite third acts in a Marvel yeah. movie because it's not just a big slug out. It's a little slug out. <laughs> it's a more. Yeah. I, but it's, it's more I was gonna say it's more personal like it isn't just a this guy's the bad guy so I'm gonna kill him and his army it's you know there's personal stakes in there but also ones that make sense I yeah I I, I the, the, the other thing I enjoyed is that it's not just sort of all, one all-out wide shot fight as well it's the fact that each of them sort of like pair off and go off in different directions and you get like the Black Widow versus Hawkeye fight, where you can tell that they're both pulling their punches because mm. they are friends, but they're also on opposite sides. And you get uh, another one of my favorites is the sort of like Winter Soldier and Falcon versus Spider Man bit in what the scene. in the middle of the airport. Um, I I love how sort of well balanced and choreographed that sequence is. Good introduction yeah. for Spider Man. Yeah, yeah like great introduction. Very good. It was, it, it was legitimately quite, quite. It was kind of cool when he, you know, Spider Man's finally in the MCU, and he just kind of his first shot and what his first. Uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. The best bit's when he uh, catches Bucky's arm. That's the best. Yeah. Bit. Like, <laughs> oh, he's. It's not a problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say because they they they've shown um like it's one of those things that. Uh, they've shown Spider-Man has super strength in all of Spider-Man's films. That's not been a problem. But this is the first time where we've seen him go head-to-head with like a hero that we know is also very strong and hits very hard. You know, we've seen Bucky hit other people and send them... You know, we've seen Bucky hit Cap and send him flying. So the fact that 
Spider-Man just catches his arm no problem. Yeah, I just it's, also think it's, it... it's like a great introduction for how strong Spider-Man actually is. I think it's a testament to how well they sort of wrote this film and how well they sort of crafted the storylines in it. In that it's five years later and there's still conversations online of Team Iron Man versus Team Cap, like who was right, who was wrong. Uh... Like I think they crafted it really well in that neither of them are really in the right totally. Like the sides to both of Shades them. Shades of Grey, yeah. Yeah. I really like the bit when... Um... Yeah, they caps like he tries to talk to Iron Man in the third act. And he's like, "Oh, I don't care. He yeah. killed my mum." <laughs> like, like, that's yeah, a nice well. bit. It's like you know, <laughs> there's no there's no reason that it's just that was a bit emotion of... and passion. Kind it's of a thing. bit. It's also it's a bit, bit of like just convenient for them to have the fight. Yeah, because and maybe they could stop and just have a conversation. I mean, but... that plot point though of like yeah. Bucky killed Iron Man's mum and dad. What about Do you think do you think it should? I I just thought it was a bit like I don't know, like it was it was fine, but I don't know. I just didn't buy um, it. I I like it because it's this whole thing of in this film you get the sense of Bucky sort of getting his memory back and all that, but then he's still consistently haunted by his past of what Hydra put him through with the programming that's still in his brain and the things that he did while he wasn't in control, but he still has to live with the fact that he did them and he's got these repercussions from them. Like, it's not yeah. just a, oh, and he's good now, and yep, let's move on. I think it's just like, I think he means, like, the, the odds that it's it's Bucky and yeah. not just some other bloke. Why well, was I, it, I, uh, No, it makes it? sense, though, because it's, mm. it's well, it's, see, I get, like, the, the whole fact that you can see it doesn't really make it sense. It's perfectly framed. But it makes, it <laughs> makes sense that, like, Bucky would be the one to kill them, because they were yeah. high up in S.H.I.E.L.D., they were founders of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, I get it, yeah, yeah. taking down S.H.I.E.L.D., like, it I'm makes just sense. being anti-Marvel for the sake yeah, of Yeah, well, yeah. fuck off. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's no need to be that like that, is there? He's been kind of takes the weight of everything you've just said. Dan's won that. Actually. Best rivalry is me versus James. I don't care. He killed my mom. <laughs> <laughs> you were so careful and censoring yourself through all of that, and then ah, sometimes you just got to go for it. it. <laughs> just exploded. I really like kind of characters that we both that are both leads that they're, they're protagonists but they've got a philosophical difference and different beliefs so the way they go about things is quite different i'm a big fan of jack shepherd versus john locke science uh, versus faith okay. who is who they're quite talking about team edward team jack are you team jack or team Locke? <laughs> who would you follow in in the art would you team up with Jack and go to the caves or would you hang out with Locke and Did go you... on these weird drug fueled trips <laughs> in the woods and try and open up a hatch and get in a plane and stuff you know. I mean, I mean Jack seems to be more sensible in the end but Locke just seems <laughs> more fun doesn't he? But that's the interesting thing. If we're I don't know I always got weird skin crawly creepy vibes from Locke. Yeah, what, but Jack's... from Locke? Yeah, yeah man he's not the kind of guy I'd want to be in a room alone with. He's ah, the but... ni- <laughs> what he's on about he's the nicest Jack you don't want to be in a alone room I was with. Gonna, I was going to say Jack's just irritating. Oh yeah he is annoying. Jack's got I, like I don't know man problems. just the way just the lofty way that Locke talks he's like oh yeah I know what I'm on about I know I'm all this I'm like mm, I don't know Bit, I know a bit culty, you know what I mean? Yeah. In the, in the a bit first cult leadery. Season, yeah, he has. He does have that element. He is a bit culty. I'll give you that. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I'm not freaked out by him because he's just a warm guy. Especially because we know his backstory. He's like literally. Well, yeah, literally. His like, spine story. And all that stuff with his dad and stuff. So. <laughs> Didn't get that until you explained it. Okay, <laughs> too subtle. Too subtle. I've just, I, I'll I, be I, honest. Like we, I know that Lost comes up a lot and I kind of just nod along. I have seen it, but only once, not for a long time. Like There's yeah. a lot of little stuff I don't remember. So, so good. Just there. Like, yeah, I remember really enjoying it. Well, maybe we'll have to go back. Me and Ben have we been have talking about it. Let's go back. Rewatching. I just, I really enjoy the Jack versus Locke, yeah, their yeah. dynamic, and um, yeah, who do you like? There's, the, there's, a, there's a mad bit in the fourth season where it comes to a head where Jack's got Locke on the floor with a gun pointed at him, and he fires. He fi- and there's no bullet in it, and he fires it. He pulls the trigger, and there's nothing in it, and everyone's like, "Whoa, Jack." <laughs> Yeah, like what I, have you done? Like, there, there's a there's a real like sort of fight for leadership between them in the group because you know everyone sees Jack as this like doctor and he, he he you know he starts out as this reluctant leader but he takes on that 
that leadership role. Yeah. I just like uh, the way you say, like, everyone sees him as a doctor. He is a doctor. Like, <laughs> yeah. this is a fake uh, Yeah, thing. no. I, 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 it, was, it was a bad way to start the sentence. I was like... Sees him as a leader. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, no, it's... It, I, it what I, what, what I meant was, because he's like this... Because he's a doctor and he, he, he you know, is he... His first job, he starts like immediately tending to the wound and mm. going around and checking if everyone's okay. Everyone just sees him as this natural leader, but Locke also has this sort of like charismatic sort of blind faith miracle yeah, yeah. sort of leadership. He, he he does have that very cult like. Yeah, see, I he think can assemble he thinks people. He has the answers, and people want the answers, so they yeah, yeah. follow him. It's like you mentioned it, Ben, when you introed this. How I think. The, some of the most interesting rivalries aren't hero versus villain, but when you both have the, en- the same end goal but different means. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, different ways of going about it. Can't believe we're going to bring it up, but Killmonger in Black Panther, it's like that's a, yes, an example of absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, Killmonger may be the villain, but he was like ultimately correct, and Black Panther kind of takes his, well, he was a bit extreme version of it, yeah. but Black yeah, yeah. Panther takes his kind of teachings and his, well, his teachings, his ideas forward and. Yeah, so no, that's absolutely. like the two of them working yeah, it, together it, would have been the best idea. Yeah, it, it wasn't together. It wasn't what he was doing that made him the villain. It was the way he went about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, killing people, killing innocent people. Now, I also just think that as a podcast called Spacemen from Pluto, we would be amiss to not mention a rivalry that spanned generations. Of course, I'm talking about Marty McFly versus Biff Tannen. Mm. All the way from 1885 to 2015. This rivalry's been going decades. The Tannins, Tannins versus McFly's. Yeah, yeah. yeah Tannins man. and McFly's. Mad Dog to Griff. <laughs> yeah. I, just, I love Mike the ridiculousness behind that. Of like these families just always are born to hate each other, and they always <laughs> look the same. And they always lived in the same area. They oh, no, never cute. left the tiny little <laughs> hill valley area. It's really good. Uh, yeah, Biff it makes sense. Biff's yeah. just a great. He's he he's my personal. Oh, I really like George in the first one. I love Biff. I love the actor. I think he has he has the most to do in those movies. He has the most fun playing old man Biff, Griff, and Mad Dog. So he's so yeah. good. Yeah. Um, there isn't really a weak link in those films. There really isn't. And I think that's why no, they no. work so well. Um, is there? Well, they recast Jennifer. That's not really like a weak link. No. I would say there's not... The weakest part about Jennifer, I would say, is maybe the writing. Like, they don't really give her a lot to do. There's a, I'm watching um, The Last Man on Earth at the moment, and Clara Clayton's in that. And there's a crazy <laughs> bit... I lost... I was literally watching it last night, actually, in bed. Um, there's a bit where... Phil says, "I've got to go back to go get my brother," and then it just it just goes it just hard cuts and plays the Back to the Future theme, and he's just driving a DeLorean down the motorway. <laughs> and I was like, "Oh my god!" Because <laughs> you would if the world's ended, you just go and get yeah. one, so drive around it. It's a full on. It's Back to the Future two DeLorean with Mister Fusion and stuff. And I was like, "Wow, that's, that's so it. cool! That's so cool!" But yeah, he's just—it's a—he's a great—he's a, a great bad guy, and all the, yeah. the and I—I I like those those movies, the um, like the repetition and the poetry, it rhymes, you know, yeah. that stuff of like the, the same shots are reused throughout the history, like the behind the shoulder shot of the Biffs when he gets up and you don't see Marty's face and stuff like that's really cool, and and how like they redo the whole sort of chase sequence around the town square in 1985 no 1955 and 2015 something very familiar about all this yeah yeah man they're very very clever there's a lot of clever stuff particularly in the second one of redoing but like redoing it in the best way possible like you're not trying you're not redoing it and trying to pass it off as something new you're very like you make it clear enough it's like oh like you know remember how we did it there we're Mm. doing it again that's the point like i think i don't know people i on the internet people like a kind of doubt or bad mouth the second one in terms of like a time traveling romp i love the second one i really like i i love the second one the second film like because the first one's more like a just a wormhole film it's just like it's not like a time traveling adventure the second yeah. one's like goes all over the place and incorporates the first film i love second one a lot happens in the second one yeah like loads a lot. goes on especially for the 80s like how they re especially when they redo my going back into the first one in the chapman under the sea dance like how they redo it with Mate, the effects like, it's really well done listening to some of the behind the scenes stuff from that film it's mental how like 
I think someone summed it up at one point where they said the reason that the films are so good is it's like Robert Zemeckis would be like, right, so I want this to happen. And if they were like, oh, that's, you know, we can't really do that, rather than him going, okay, we'll do something else, he'd go, okay, well, we're going to find a way to do it then. Mm. So, like, when there's the scene when Biff, young old man Biff hands the almanac to young man Biff, and so that they could do it in the same shot, they built a whole entire rig of a mechanical hand that would move at the exact <laughs> same speed as the camera moved and timing, all for just one shot, so that it felt more grounded and real oh. that these two people were in the same scene. And it's... <laughs> it, Hearing stuff like that, it's like that's in- that's amazing. That like the dedication to the craft for stuff like that. That's cool. Didn't know that. We'll definitely have talk more about Back to the Future as time goes oh, on. Yeah, yeah. Big fan of those films. Are you found those films, Dan? Been a bit quiet. Of Back the Back to the Future films. Um, yes, absolutely. They're they're timeless classics. Oh. Uh, say what you like, the third one it's still watchable in it. Um, I, I, I still really like the third one. I, I mean, I haven't yeah. seen it as many as much as the other two, so I don't remember much about it. I, I mean, uh, you know, me, me and Ben, me, me and Ben have spent many a, a work close listening to the soundtrack from specifically the third one mm-hmm. while quoting specific scenes backwards and forwards. <laughs> the amazing piece of music when um, ZZ Topper in Hill Valley doing playing the music for the the 1800s version of Double Back while they they dance in the dock. Dock and dance? And Marty's being pestered to do the shooting range. You know, son, son. He's like, yeah, tell me you can't do something a baby can do. Like, he's doing like that stuff. It's really good. Good Mm. shit. (laughs) Can't believe we haven't even mentioned this franchise at all. Um, Is Star Wars... Because mm. everything comes back to Star Wars. Everything comes back to Star Wars. It's a topic. Um, this is a topic we have to do it again on another. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there is, there is only one that I can talk about, and I am gonna, I'm gonna disappoint people, and I am gonna pull from Revenge of the Sith. Oh, it's gonna, because it's a great film. Because I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull the Anakin versus, well, the Vader versus Obi Wan fight from the end of. Revenge of the Sith because I absolutely love that fight. Yeah, it's it's such a good like sword fight and say what you will about all the flippy stuff, like the the build the, the the sort of like it is it is kind of cheesily written build up to it, but it I don't know I it, there's something about that fight it's so good and it still holds. Um, I, as far as I'm aware, I did look this up and the internet is assuring me that I'm right. But it still holds the world record for being the longest sword fight in a film. Hmm. <laughs> wow. Um, I, I think it clocks in at like 12 and a half minutes mm. is how long the fight it's goes long. on for. You, know, you can give the actors credit. They learned to do it. And yeah, the speed um, isn't... It's, it's in camera speed. Yeah, Whether yeah. you like it or not, they learned to do it. Um, it's a, it's I, a it's, good fight. Like, it, it's a it's, bit much for me. But I think it's it just got a bit ridiculous when they're leaping about like it, it, on, I, on the lava, isn't it? I don't get what like what's wrong with that though. It's just a bit. It, like, it's a film if you, about space wizards, man. I know, but it's but not. Sci-fi. If you keep it about, there's like the the, the antithesis of that. Right. There's the the amazing. There's a bit in the animated show Star Wars Rebels where uh, Obi Wan meets another has another sword fight with somebody, and how that's handled. Is like pitch perfect. It's, it's, a, it's not. It's not about the fight for me. Isn't about just the spectacle and fighting. If it was just a, if a much more smaller focused fight about them, not just the lava and standing on beams and powerful. It's a but bit. But why? Why? Why can't we have both? I think it that's is, my thing. Is I like yeah. the big spectacles, but you know, it's also nice when you then take a step back and have the more reserved, meaningful ones. You can have both. I just don't think the big spectacle worked as well for me. And personally, the, I think as well because it's the way it's the way the sabers look doesn't look as good in that third film. They they look. I know it's going to sound Disagree. stupid. They look too fake. <laughs> <laughs> like they the way when they move them. Obviously the light the light extends because it's light. But like it looks too silly for me. Like I feel like it, like Empire Jedi Phantom Menace got that bang on if it, and for me it got a bit too quick 
I know I get all the Jedi that can anticipate blood, but visually you've got to look at it. You still got to watch I, it. Yeah, for me, it's a bit I like, too I like quick. the way it looks. I, I guess I think, it's a pr- I think, and this is the thing where it comes down to, like you just said, Ben, for you, and I think that's what it is. Like it's preference. You're not sat there saying it's bad or it was made poorly. Okay, well. But no, I, I think it is a personal preference thing. Like I think you know. Some people like the spectacles, big, epic ones. Some people like the smaller scale, more meaningful ones. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I get that that's like over the top, but I, I, you know, I saw it as this like culmination fight of this is the last time that that this is the last time that Obi Wan sees Anakin at like as he, you know, ha- as he would like to remember him, and this is the first time. It's the first time he's meeting Vader. And the last time he's seeing Anakin's face, yeah. So it's it's sort of this big culmination event, and you have that the whole speech at the end that you are my brother, that has been done. It's been memed to death, but is is still like a a powerful moment that ends this sort of friendship and turns the, the it's the, the, this over the top spectacle with lava everywhere. Just is what turns these guys from friends to enemies it's, it just shows how fast they twist I think, like in one word it's epic yeah, that's what it's, it's meant it's... to be like, the score going on as well it, I like it man but you know it's also this thing of Ben I feel like you are tied to the originals because you watched them growing up I will always have a special place for Revenge of the Sith because it's the first one I ever saw it's what got me hooked and like it's where my love of Star Wars came from up. there's no they're just bad films man <laughs> no, but I mean, like, the fact that that was the first one I ever saw, and it's what made me go, oh, this is awesome, like, I want to get into this. Like, I will always have that special place for it. That's you, fine. Surely you watched the originals before the prequels. I did. I well, did. there you go, then. But, so, like, I was, what... but I was also three when the prequels started coming out, so it was kind of the similar, kind of the same ballpark. But it's, what, it's like that thing of what got you into it. It was your introduction to the universe. Mm. Yeah, and as a kid, I loved the prequels... I beg, I love Jar Jar as a kid. My dad won't let it go to this day. <laughs> loved him as a kid. But as an, as an adult, you look back and watch it and go, oh, it's just, it's just such a shame that how, what they could have been so much more. I see. Uh, and the Clone Wars and Rebels is proof of it. They could, they could have been more. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean. I don't know. I don't think Jar Jar's that great in any format. I don't know. You wait till the Obi Wan series when <laughs> we'll see Anakin and Obi Wan fight again. Are the rumours that um, Jar Jar Binks is going to be in this Kenobi series? Yeah, uh, uh, he, he's he's listed. Danny was. Yeah, listed. James Spader was listed for fucking One Division. Yeah, exactly. I that I, I think it's uh, I think it's Disney just go on and list every single actor they can. Well, is that who who can change the Google cast list? Like how Anyone. official is it? Well, there you Anyone. go. Someone's. I will guarantee people will have seen all the theories that came from. James Spader being on the Google cast list and have gone, oh, let's create some theories around Jar Jar Binks. That's, what, that's why it's on there. I, can't, I mean, <laughs> where realistically could Jar... I mean, I, I think the only, the only way to bring Jar Jar back was just to have, have a cameo where we catch up with him and we see him as a washed-up street performer. No. Uh, being teased <laughs> by, by children and bullied by children because that's no. apparently how he ends up. We you see him as him an aged Sith Lord. I was going to say, you give us Darth Jar Jar, that's how you bring him back. Would you, wouldn't it have been insane if in Rise of Skywalker it was actually Jar Jar instead of It would have been absolutely moronic. It would have been... It just would have. It would have been. Dare I say it? Probably better. I was gonna. I was gonna say. I don't. I don't think it'd have hurt that film at all if it was Jar Jar. It makes about as much sense. It makes more sense than Palpatine coming back. He he exploded. At least you don't know what happened to Jar Jar. Well, no, because it's not. It's it's not the same body. It's it's a clone. You don't know that the film. Yeah, no, they do. When do they do that? No, no, they don't say it in the film, but I think it's like the novelization of it I can't said. Give, I can't make that as a valid argument. Because they go... What do you mean go, you can't make that as no, a valid there's argument? If the film can't do it, it's No, like, there's the line no, delivered by, by Merry in Lord of the Rings where he goes, after the iconic line from Oscar Isaac where he goes, somehow Palpatine has returned. Poe says uh, it. quite how he said it. So, yeah, <laughs> I said it with a little bit more enthusiasm. Gravitas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Emotion. Uh, then, then the next line is, uh, 
Dark Secrets of the Sith, Dark Cloning, or something like that. Yeah, he, he mentions cloning. Yeah. yeah, he mentions cloning, and so that hints that we're dealing with a clone, not the yeah. original Pal- Palpatine. I, I, I just love how not, clearly the film clone, came out, though. and it, it wasn't very well received. So they released the book, the novelization of it, that had descriptions to f- try and fix some of the issues. So it's like when um kylo ren meets palpatine there's in the book it says something of and then ren looked upon him realizing that um looked at the decaying clone body of palpatine and it's like oh okay so that's the way of telling us it's a clone and the best one is when uh ben revives ray yeah yeah you ben yeah (laughs) when he revives ray at the end it says like i think the book says something like and then they kissed not as a, not in a romantic way, but in an acknowledgement of their connection and friendship. It's like, oh, just piss off. So stupid. <laughs> Come on, man. Just accept that you tried to make it a romantic thing and people didn't like it. It's okay to sit there and go, we did a bad thing. But it's yeah. fine because they're erasing the sequels now, so we don't need to talk about them anymore. Uh, yeah, but we're still going to every podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Specifically as, as... Rise of Skywalker. You bring I... it up most of the time, Dan. I didn't bring it up this time. <laughs> yeah, this no, time. I, I just intended this to be a quick drive-by of the Star Wars. Oh, you can't uh, say the words. You can't Wars just say quick. quick. You can't, you yeah, can't do no. it. I'm sorry. You knew what you were doing. Anyway... <laughs> If we're talking about rivals that become friends, there's nothing epitomizes it more than Rocky and Apollo. There. I knew you were going to mention this. Got it out there. You can't talk about Rocky and Apollo. They're, they're, they were rivals turned best mates. Great series of films. That's my there opinion. is no tomorrow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I want you. I, right, I'll cut this bit. The bit, right, there's a, there's a Star Wars celebration, right, before the Mandalorian came out. Aww. And Carl Weathers came out, and they were going like, Apollo, and he went, I want you. I, and I I lost it when he did that. Because it was like 30 years since he did a, he did Apollo, and I thought it was just the coolest thing. Christ alive. He just, he just, I, it was good because you saw an act. It's nice to see when an actor like cares yeah. about the, the previous work that they're really well famous for, and they still like show love for it and quote it. That's that, like Mark Hamill in the dead years of Star Wars. He still carried the flag and was happy to do so. Yeah, like, that was man. really good. Anyway, well, guys, I think we've talked quite long enough about movie and TV rivalries. It's definitely a subject that we will talk about again down the line. Who knows, mate, if we've got nothing to talk about for Kong versus Godzilla, we'll just do it We'll just do it again in a couple of weeks' time. It'd be great. Um, so do let us know down below if you are actually listening, if, if uh, you want that again, or what other rivalries do you like? Yeah, yeah, uh, give, give, us some, TV. give us some rivalries that you recommend. Could be any that you would like us to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Get our thoughts on some. Like is it like we didn't talk about you know Emperor versus Vader or Luke versus Vader or any of that it didn't, you know there's lots of Star Wars rivalries you know I didn't talk about anything from Cobra Kai what I've got twenty minutes on on Danny and Johnny <laughs> I could talk about all sorts so and with that we'll wrap it up there guys yeah we'll call it a day there oh yeah. Uh, do remember to like and subscribe, guys, if you've made it this far. If you have made it this far, comment down below. Sonic was snubbed. Ah, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> do that then. Yeah, do that. Do that. But thank you for listening If on Spotify and Apple. And thank you for watching on YouTube. We'll see you next week for another episode. Uh, see you, everyone. Thank you. Bye. See you later. See ya. <laughs>